if I say no, it is going to have an adverse effect on the relationship. So I will, I will lose you if I say no, but what they don't recognize is they're actually losing themselves in the process. Your boss sends you an email at 8.50 p.m. It's Thursday. You aren't doing anything. I mean, you could respond so you don't forget later. You also like that your boss knows he can count on you and that you're committed. Your friend calls you to tell you the latest gossip about that weird girl in her social circle. You don't really like how it makes you feel to talk about her and really you don't care. But it's harmless, right? And your mother-in-law keeps making those passive-aggressive comments about your cooking, how you look in a bathing suit, how she would parent your child much differently. You want to punch her in the face, but instead, you feel small, really, really small, and defeated. I mean, she's only here for a week. You convince yourself that you can get through it. But what you really wish is that you knew the words to say and felt confident enough to set those boundaries. Well, you're in luck. Today is the day we are giving you the tools and insight to help you with this Jedi-level communication. Now, when I think about boundaries, it's easy to imagine maybe the person who isn't that confident is easily pushed over, But it turns out boundaries are needed in a lot more places than you would think. Family, friends, technology, work, and self. And healthy boundaries are equivalent to self-worth. Today, Megan Gillespie is back on the show to give us all the goods. Quick uh, rewind, Megan is a holistic therapist specializing in attachment theory, cognitive behavioral therapy, interpersonal neurobiology, and mindfulness. And if that's not a mouthful, I don't know what it is. But I had her on earlier this year in episode 120 about reparenting yourself. So you can go back and check that out. I've gotten unbelievable feedback on that particular episode. And fun fact, Megan is my actual therapist and someone that has made a huge impact in my life when it comes to boundaries. So if you have some folks that come to mind as I'm kind of sharing these scenarios or talking about boundaries that probably need to set better ones, here's a quick reminder to text this episode right now over to them. Here is my chat with Megan Gillespie. You know, when we think about boundaries, we think of them in five areas, friends, family, job, technology, and self. And a lot of people, when they think of boundaries, you know, my immediate thought are obvious boundaries, people that might be people pleasers or feel like they might be uh, a welcome mat too much and not sure how to handle that. So I do want to address that, but I think I want to talk about the boundaries um, that we don't think about that are that are apparent, but if we, if we start with the people pleaser, you know, setting boundaries, what do you see out in the wild today? (laughs) This is actually a topic that comes up all the time. I mean, I would say with clients and just honestly with friends as well and family, this is the thing that 
everyone asks me about is how do I set boundaries? And it comes up so frequently. And I think it's really important because when we think about relationships, which is what many of us, you know, want to be in healthy relationships, whether that's at work, at home with friends, it really is that balance between self and other. And I think that's where we get stuck. Kind of you mentioned having really open or porous boundaries of just inviting anything and everything and not being able to have any boundaries. And that is often happens with people who really want connection. And the fear there or the thought or core belief behind that is if I say no, it is going to have an adverse effect on the relationship. So I will I will lose you if I say no, but what they don't recognize is they're actually losing themselves in the process. And so it's really important to have that balance between self and other. And I think the other side of that coin is having really rigid or um, distant boundaries where putting up those walls where yes, you are protecting yourself from abuse, manipulation, you know, things of that mm-hmm. nature, which is great but you're also you know keeping everyone else out in the process and so people who tend to have really um, rigid boundaries struggle in relationships so maybe those are your people who struggle to open up they struggle with vulnerability and that you know obviously is the cornerstone of intimacy to be vulnerable and to mm. show people who you are and so both sides of that you know obviously have their own issues but it's really coming to the center of how can i honor myself and know who i am while also being able to honor you and your needs i think you know as you're talking through this i'm thinking about your last visit was on reparenting and mm-hmm. we talked a lot about attachment styles yes. does this layer into the anxious attachment um the Absolutely. The, the what is the avoidant. other avoidant avoidant attachment and then the healthy one is secure secure attachment. yes right. so you often i mean you see the same spectrum with attachment so typically you know, people that have more of an avoidant attachment style tend to have more rigid boundaries. Mm. And so they've been taught, you know, I can't count on others and therefore I really have to rely on myself. And so people with avoidant attachment style tend to have a really strong sense of self. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. They're kind of on an island on their own. Yeah. And so to protect that sense of self, because that's kind of their their fear, is that if I'm in relationship, I'm going to lose myself, they tend to have those very rigid, distant boundaries of trying to keep everybody else out. Now, on the other side of that, you've got anxious attachment, which their fear is losing people. And so they're willing to kind of open up. They're more of the chameleons on the spectrum of I'll kind of do anything and say anything and whatever you need me to be in order to stay in relationships. Mm. So they tend to have more porous boundaries. So yes, I'm glad you brought that up because that there is definitely an overlap there. So you had an Instagram post about boundaries should be a gate, not a wall. So can you explain that more? Yes. So wall, when you think of a wall, we kind of talked about with um, people with rigid boundaries, Mm. they put up that wall. And with a wall, that keeps everything and everyone out. And obviously, you don't want to keep everyone and everything out because you do want to have, you know, healthy relationships in order to have a relationship. Both people have to be invited into that. And so with the gate, it's more of I can choose, right, when I want to open the door, when I want to close the door. And so when you think about boundaries, one of the things that comes up that you might see is, you know, we talked about vulnerability. And someone who has more of a rigid, you know, wall-like boundary, they don't open up at all, 
right? Even in intimate relationships, even with people that it would be appropriate, they still have a hard time opening up. Mm. Now, on the we other... We all know those people, too. Yes. <laughs> like, you could probably identify <laughs> them in your head. And then on the other side, with the poorest boundaries, those are people who they don't have a sense of when to protect themselves. So that might be someone who it's like you just met them and they're telling you all sorts of intimate details about mm. their life, every trauma, every whatever. And you're like, whoa, that's kind of overwhelming. And you get that sense in your body of like, wow, that's too much. And so with that, that can be um, have its own you know, danger as well, where someone is putting themselves in a vulnerable position to be taken advantage of, for that information to be used in ways maybe it shouldn't. And so once again, you want that gate where knowing when it's appropriate, when it's not and getting a sense for, I can trust this person, I can open up to them, Mm, maybe this isn't. Or you might see it, um, we talked to you, were talking in the beginning about uh, in your professional life. So those might be people in, you know, the professional world at work who are talking about very intimate things that would not be appropriate at work to talk about. So that might be another example of boundaries. Where in an intimate setting, maybe that's appropriate. Yeah, there's so much to dig in here because... You know, Brene Brown, you know, really flooded the the culture with the word and the topic of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you had people's perfect Instagram feeds turning into like the makeup free filter, the no makeup filter, you know, mm-hmm. or no filter. Um, and people starting to get more and more vulnerable, but not really understanding where that line is. So, you know, where, how do you define what that line is of where you begin and I begin? Yeah. Or end, begin and end. Right. And it's going to look a little different for people. You know, one thing to think about is you talked about attachment and where we originally learn boundaries is from our parents, right? And so if you think of a child and how they develop, those first few years are really critical. So they go through a number of stages. So that first stage is attachment, right? Where the child is completely dependent on you for everything. And that kind of gives them a, a sense of, am I safe in the world? Am I not? Based on how that caregiver responds to them. And then the next stage, is individuation, which is essentially, you know, kids are learning about the world around them and they're using their hands to explore. They're putting everything in their mouth and it's a sense of mind, right? They're figuring out where do I end Mm. and other people and things begin, right? And then the last stage is independence where they're kind of like, okay, I can do things on my own. I'm out of here. And that's where they go through that stage. And I know you have kids, so you probably remember this stage of no, where every, even when they want to say yes, everything is no, no, (laughs) no, no, no. And I think when parents don't recognize what, you know, how important this developmental stage is, they take it very personally and get very angry, right? And like, you might see parents yelling at their kids, maybe calling them names. Mm. And going back, you know, you mentioned um, Brene Brown and Mm -hmm. thinking of the difference between guilt and shame. And so guilt is you made a bad choice, right? So helping kids understand healthy boundaries, your number one job is to keep them safe. And so being able to say like, no, thank you. That's not a good choice. Let's do this over here, right? It's not personal to them. You're just keeping them safe, right? You're helping them learn what's okay, what's not okay. However, when we start layering in the screaming, the yelling, the name calling, and it becomes personal, then all of a sudden it goes into that shame territory of I am bad. I am a Mm. bad person. So that really affects that sense of self. Now, 
am I saying like you yelled at your kids and now all of a sudden, you know, you're the worst parent ever? No, of course we all have moments. (laughs) But, you know, with that being said, it's just taking into account, you know, how we interact with our kids at a young age in particular really helps shape that sense of self. And so helping them see no, you know, that you're just holding that boundary as opposed to that you're a terrible child, you know, all of that. One thing I actually see, you know, used to see, I used to work with kids and a phenomenon that happens actually more commonly than you would think is parents talking about their child in front of the child and saying, you know, things about the child that might be embarrassing or might be, you know, an area the child's struggling with, with the child standing right next to them. And you'll kind of see the child, their head go down. They recoil. Oh, yes. And so it's important to help, you know, understand that kids are people too, right? And I know that's obvious, but making sure that we're giving them the same respect and independence and things like that and letting them practice at a young age. um, Because when it comes back to boundaries, you know, we don't allow children to say no we don't allow them to say how they feel and then later as they you know become adults we wonder why they have a hard time saying no to other people Mm. so they have to be able to practice in appropriate ways when they're young and know that it's okay to say no it's okay to have feelings and opinions about things now of course once again as parents we're still setting appropriate boundaries and it is okay you know for them to say no when they need to I think it's such a shift in the culture when you think about how kids were raised, how I was raised, you know, I'm younger than, I mean, you are younger than me, but um, how kids were raised that it was not okay to talk back to your parents or have feelings or opinions, Mm -hmm. you know, like feelings were kind of suck it up if they were negative feelings, negative, I shouldn't say negative, but like if they were sadness, if there was frustration or embarrassment, other than mom, you're so embarrassing. Yes. (laughs) Like, but to have the words to articulate that. And so I think when we think about boundaries or think about where we might be feeling uncomfortable, how do you coach people on identifying where a boundary is needed? Yes. So that's a great question. So one of the best places to look is resentment. So when you're feeling resentment, resentment is I said yes when I really wanted to say no. Mm. And so that's a good indication that a boundary was needed. And thinking about where do I feel the most resentment and where do I get triggered the most? And so oftentimes that will lead you exactly to the place where you need some more boundaries. Mm. I'm thinking in my own life of people that, you know, I I don't know if I feel resentful, but like people that I have to be in contact with mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And I might resent the experience because I don't know how to get out of it. And yeah. it's not that they're, you know, like talking one-on-one with me, just having them be there, you know, or being part of that. So how do you identify where to set that boundary? Or if it is noticing a trigger or noticing that there's a situation that you don't, you feel obligated right. to be part of. So that's one thing. So the first thing is identifying where you feel resentment. 
and then thinking through what are the thoughts I have around this? Mm. So a lot of times we take for granted our thoughts and just kind of like you said, there's an obligation, I have to do this and really dig into what are my core beliefs around this because there's always a core belief underneath it Mm. and figuring out like, do I really have to? Because a lot of times these feelings of I have to do this or this is what I, you know, have to do as a mom or have to do as a wife or have to do as, you know, a worker, whatever it is in whatever scenario, that's often a core belief that in a lot of times it's been passed down to us, whether it's from our family, from culture, and it's not necessarily something you have to do. So it's being able to kind of take a magnifying glass to some of these and say, okay, what's underneath this and why do I feel such an obligation? And is it really an obligation? And if if it's not, where can I reframe or shift this and start to practice more boundaries? So it sounds like a lot of this is redefining, mm-hmm. you know, what what is necessary. And so I also think about in our culture, again, it's very uh, common to see strong ass women saying no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really nice for your inner Sasha fears. But when you're facing mom mm-hmm. <laughs> and mom is getting on your case and you start to recoil, you know, it's, uh, it's really hard to figure out how to say no. And so I think one of the, I would imagine that if we had the words to say no, or no in a way that is not going to hurt somebody else or paint us in a bad light, Mm-hmm. No pressure, Meg. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I one of like the I always say the magic word is and because it totally shifts how something lands with someone. So I'll give you an example. Let's say a girlfriend asks you to do something yeah. and you really don't want to do it. And at the same time, you feel bad saying no. Right. So you can say it. Um, I'd love to go, but. I have something else to do, right? Which leaves the person feeling like, oh man, they don't really want to be with me. They've got better things to do or shifting it to, I love spending time with you and I've had a really busy week and I need a little bit of time to recuperate. Um, How about Tuesday, right? So that leaves the person with, yes, they actually value me and at the same time, today's not a good day. How do you say that with somebody you don't like? So you get an invitation for Mm -hmm. somebody that you don't want to spend time with. So with that one, you would probably, and it depends on the person, you know, obviously there's a lot of, you know, variables that would play into this. For that, I wouldn't leave the like, let's do Tuesday kind of thing. I would just leave it more with, um, you know, I'm so grateful that you asked right now. I have a lot of prior commitments and I'm not going to have a lot of free time right now and just sort of leave it at that. Right. So kind of not leaving it open ended. <laughs> I do feel like I do feel like the introvert extrovert thing is used a lot mm-hmm. in this like I'm an introvert, I need some extra time for myself. Yeah. And maybe that's just some of the things that I've heard when made requests. I don't know. Yes. But it uh, it just seems like uh taking more time, you know, and I know that before we before we started recording, we talked about the hierarchy of where you begin. So mm-hmm. we talked about friends, family, job, technology, technology and self. self. Yep. So family is really hard. Like everything that you do, the family of origin, 
you know, can crumble you. All the work that you've done in therapy, all the podcasts you've listened to, hopefully this one, you know, <laughs> all the things that you've you've done, it can crumble you. How do you even begin to start when you realize, you know, there's a lot I'm doing that feels toxic in my life and I want to clean it up. I want to do it powerfully, but I don't want to burn every you know, burn the barn down right. at the same time. So first I want to go back to what you said about the introvert extrovert. Yeah. And I think the first thing is, you know, defining that sense of self and for everybody, obviously that looks different and what you need. So what each person need is, needs is going to be a little bit different. So, you know, for me, I might need more time to recuperate for you. You might need less, you know, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so the first step is identifying your needs because you can't set boundaries around what you need if you don't know what those are. So that's step one with as far as the family goes. So I would always recommend a lot of times what people do is of course they want to set boundaries with their family and they do want to try to do that first thing and it can be really difficult to set boundaries with your family of origin you know mom dad siblings because when we think about where those boundaries you know where bond boundaries were even modeled it was the family right and so if we have very porous open boundaries and that was because we were in a family where we were taught that mom and dad's needs are first and I need to kind of do whatever it is that they want and I need to, you know, you know, fix change and uh, mold myself to be what my parents want. It can feel really hard in adulthood now that you've defined the sense of self, you've done all this self-work and healing yeah. and now you're going back and you're saying, yeah, actually, I'm not going to do that, right? You're going to get a major pushback of whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Where did this come from? And so first I would say start with people that maybe you don't have that extensive history with. So maybe it's at work, maybe it's friendships, you know, whatever it is that might feel a little bit easier, you know, start small and sort of as you build confidence, then you move into the family of origin. The other thing is to set expectations around it. So for instance, if you're going in guns blazing and you're thinking like, I'm going to set all these boundaries yeah. and it's going to be great. And then you go back and all of a sudden you're getting a lot of pushback. Maybe, you know, sometimes parents will say, oh, you know, she thinks she's so high and mighty or, oh, you know, who do you think who you that? are? You know, <laughs> who do you think you are? Right. And say things that may or maybe call you selfish. That's a, a big yes. one. You know, that all of a sudden, if you have a history of people pleasing and you're being, and, you know, you want to be seen in this, everybody mm. loves me. I'm so, you know, compassionate and kind, da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden I'm being called selfish. That's not going to land well. That's going to be yeah. hard. And so it's, first of all, expecting that there might be a little pushback. Because I think if you go in not expecting it and not knowing what to do, it's going to be hard when that happens. Um, so start small. Make sure that, you know, you normalize. Like it is normal for them to have a little pushback. I mean, think of it almost like when you raise a child and let's say, you know, your parenting tends to be a little more, a little too flexible maybe. And all of a sudden you recognize, ooh, I need to kind of set some more boundaries here. And you start setting boundaries. What does the kid do, right? Every time dinner rolls around and they get a lollipop before dinner and all of a sudden now you're saying no, what are they going to do? They're going to have a bigger show of emotion yeah. to see if you'll change your mind. And then when they recognize it's not going to work, then it kind of settles down. It's the same with family. You know, there's going to be pushback to see if they can kind of get what they want. And then when they see it's not going to work, they'll back off a little bit. 
How do you, you know, when, when I'm, so as you're kind of talking about kids and using that example, how do you handle setting boundaries with a spouse or mm-hmm. with a partner that may not have the same, you know, uh, the same views on that too? Is that the same as family? Yeah. So with spouse, yeah, that's a tough one because of course, once again, you're in their space. Yeah, big time. And so I think it's important to have open conversations about needs and it's always better to have those. And I don't like saying always, but generally better to have those conversations when you're both in a good space, right? A lot of times what happens is people don't want to have conversations, you know, intimate, vulnerable conversations because it's like, oh, that's going to be too much and what if stuff comes up? And they avoid those topics and then all of a sudden when somebody's upset, that's when they want to bring up like, well, what about the time you did this and then this and then this drives me crazy and all of a sudden we're kind of in a mess, right? And so being in a space where you're both calm and just saying, hey, this is how I feel about this. Or, hey, I'm noticing that this is something that's coming up a lot for us. And having those conversations when you're both in a frame of mind where you're ready to talk about it, you're in a calm place. Because what happens and what we know with the body is that when our amygdala starts firing, so that's that part of the brain, the fight or flight, you know, we feel threat. The cortical region, which is the part of the brain where we're able to problem solve, rational decision making, things like that that goes offline. Mm. And so if we're in the middle of a fight and we already feel threatened, we're not going to be able to sit down and logically problem solve and listen to the person across from us and have that conversation. So with spouses, I think it's really important to get ahead of it and have these conversations when you're both in a good place and have kind of some of these topics, um, you know, front and center. Mm. So I want to ask you about, I know we talked about this at the top of this episode where we talked about you know, the doormat kind of uh, mm-hmm. person of people pleaser. What are the boundaries setting that we probably need to do, but we don't think about? Hmm. So things you need to do that you don't think about. I think one of the things that we talked about a little bit earlier was, especially with someone who tends to be a doormat or tends to be, you know, you say that, but somebody's a little more porous, right? A little more open is defining your sense of self. And so that's going to be figuring out like what is important to me? Because once again, a boundary is protecting that sense of self. If you don't know who you are, it's going to be hard to know what you're protecting against, if that makes sense. But how do people know, like, I think that the self-awareness thing, it's like everybody thinks that they're funny, but not everybody is. You know what I mean? So people feel like they know who they are. So it seems like how how do you even know if 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 how you think you are is is true so one thing with someone with porous boundaries is you'll often find somebody who has a hard time making decisions mm. so if you're a person where every time you know a very common one is like you know we're going out to lunch right if you're the person that's always like, what do you want? Well, what do you want? What do you want? And you're not able to say how you feel or what you think or what you want. You have no preferences. That may be a sign that you need to kind of define a little more, you know, who you are and what you like and what you don't like, right? That's a common one of not being able to make decisions or always quote, quote unquote, going with the flow or doing what other people want. Mm. Um, another one we talked about was in a situation where you're sharing a little bit too much, right, is noticing, do I have a tendency 
to talk a whole lot more than other people or I'm sharing really vulnerable parts of myself um, a little too early in relationships. You know, maybe the first date, you're disclosing a Mm. lot of information. And, you know, what why people do that is once again, they're trying to short circuit, you know, connection. They're thinking if I share these things, then that will kind of give me the connection that I want. When in actuality, what it can do is number one, it can flood the person where it's giving them way too much information at one time where they start to push away Mm. or that information is now out there for someone to use in ways maybe you didn't intend for them to use. But I keep thinking of, uh, there are some people that I've known in my life that, I'm sure we all have friends like this that they just they don't have a filter. And mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that they just stay say whatever's on their mind. They might, but they don't have a filter of like this person is good or bad. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's you know for for in they keep finding themselves with people that are hurtful to them and mm-hmm. not trustworthy and they they don't like they take everything at face value right and and don't have a very good gauge of like i always find myself you know like they seem so nice and and what happened mm-hmm. and i wonder how you start to kind of figure out if that person is you where you find yourself in these continual bad situations you don't know why and you're trusting right you know like if if you're over trusting yes so that's a great point so you kind of almost answered the question right there was that if you find yourself repeating patterns so Mm -hmm. for instance if you notice a pattern of i'm always dating the same guy or i'm always getting in the same friendships where i feel like yes right over and over and over again that is the universe trying to tell you like hey We're going to give you another shot, set the boundary, right? (laughs) Right. And if you continue to not set the boundary, you're going to continue to get people like that in your life. Once you start setting the boundary, the relationship, the dynamic is going to change because when you think of relationships, two people play a part in that. And what boundaries do is they, they show people, they tell people what's okay with me, what's not okay with me. And it's, if you feel like you're in relationships where you're continually getting taken advantage of, you have to think about, okay, what am I contributing to this dynamic? Am I not setting a boundary? Am I not showing people or telling people that, hey, that's not okay, I won't accept that, right? And so that's a really good indication that a boundary is needed. Now, I know that we talked and we kind of touched on it before of being afraid we're going to offend somebody. Mm-hmm. And I've been on the receiving end of of setting boundaries that were clearly set, but I still got my feelings hurt, even though that was never the intention, right. you know, or feel like, are they needed? Mm-hmm. You know, so how do you, I know you can't control how somebody else thinks, but, you know, you talked about family that they're going to push back and they're going to, yeah. you know, scream about why would you said that? So how do you, is there a way to teach people that boundaries can be good yeah. and not a barrier or something that's going to be an F you, right. <laughs> you know, to the recipient? Well, and I think two things, you know, I think number one, there has to be a level of being able to accept and come to terms with by honoring myself, there are going to be times that other people are not going to like it. Right. And I think that can be really hard. And that's a process. It's not going to happen overnight, but that can be really hard for someone who um, has a history of people pleasing Mm. or, you know, things like that, where all of a sudden I've been known as the yes person, the kind person, you know, the person everybody loves. And now all of a sudden I'm saying no and I'm, you know, honoring myself, which feels great. And at the same time, 
I'm disappointing someone and that can feel hard. And so that's going to be something that if you happen to be a person like that, that's going to be a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You might want someone to process this with, maybe it's a friend, therapist, whoever, but someone to kind of walk with you through that and through the feelings that are coming up as you're doing that, because it's going to feel uncomfortable. So I think the first part is to normalize that. It's not a walk in the park. It's not like you say no and everything feels great and fuzzy and warm. Um, the other piece I think you mentioned was around can you say it in a way that's maybe less offensive? Mm. And I think one that is, it's going to be practice. You know, we talked about using the word and to kind of soften the blow a little bit. Once again, normalizing, it's going to kind of sound clunky when you first start doing it as you're practicing. That's why the whole idea of practicing with people that feel a little safer first and then getting maybe mom, dad, siblings later down the road. Um, and I think the other piece is recognizing, and you kind of mentioned this, that you can't control how it lands with someone else. And so in the same way that the reason you feel the way you feel, you know, in the beginning you said, what if you feel obligated, right? Those are core beliefs and things that have been passed down to you that are influencing your thoughts and what's coming up for you. The same thing is true for the people across from you is they have their own experiences, their own core beliefs, their own thoughts, all of that that's influencing how they're receiving that information. So for instance, if one of my core beliefs is I'm not enough or you know nobody likes me or whatever it is, if you say no, that core belief coming up for them and them thinking, oh my gosh, it's because I'm not enough or oh my mm -hmm. gosh, it's because nobody likes me or I'm too much or I'm too this or too that. You can't control that. And so you have to own. That's your own shit. Right. You have to stand <laughs> in your truth and say what and honor who you are. And you can't take responsibility for how that's going to land for somebody else. And that kind of goes back to the boundary issues to begin with, because a lot of times people with porous boundaries, what they've been taught is I am responsible for another person's feelings. Mm -hmm. And so it's really untangling that and saying, wait a minute, I'm not responsible for how this lands for you. I'm responsible for standing in my truth, for saying it, for speaking it and holding the boundary, but how you perceive it and how you take it is isn't really up to me. Can we talk about the woman thing? Mm-hmm. Yes. So we talked about this before we got on, and this is where it gets a little tricky as well, because we have our family of origin and we have things that are passed down through generations, right? That land in you, but there's also a cultural piece to this. And for women in particular, I find this is really difficult because women have been taught culturally to be sweet, to be kind, to be small, you know, oftentimes to not stand up for ourselves, to go with whatever the men in our lives think and feel, you know, to to, um, do what our kids want and to make everyone happy. And so that people pleasing, a lot of us get kind of, you know, honestly, it runs down through the culture. And so it's recognizing that. And I think we're seeing a cultural shift, you know, mm -hmm. here, Allison, culture changer over mm -hmm. here. And we're still in the process of that. And so it can feel uncomfortable because there can be a lot of pushback in organizations where men are dominant. I do think, you know, I've, I've had some private conversations with people and I've heard probably in the past week still, it, try, it, it is like bugs crawling on me when people say, you know, when you get women together, mm -hmm. you know, when you get women together. And I think a boundary 
is needed. Yeah. You know, for support or at least to abolish that thing. You know what happens when women get together? They get emotional. Mm-hmm. Don't be that woman. You know, and I think that that is a weapon. I think it's weaponized against us yes. when trying to set boundaries. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that women see is they see how other women are treated and they think, oh, I don't want to be that woman. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's what is such a major barrier to women setting boundaries, especially in the workplace is I don't want to be seen as a bitch or I don't want to be seen as, you know, whatever it is. Or even like, you know, boss emails you at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I don't want them to think I'm not committed. And you respond, you know, or right. just at, at nine o'clock, I'll do this after I put the kids to bed. Yes. You know, because I want to get it off my plate or I don't want my boss to think I'm not committed. And so it may not even be expected. Mm-hmm. I think it is, you know, and I, I think that kind of bleeds into the technology side of being on all the time. Yes. And being available and accessible all the time. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I couldn't imagine if, if, you know, when I was in my 20s and we had social media, which we did not, but I couldn't imagine, I would be on all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I would not have had, I don't think I would have had the guts to set the boundary because I'd be so afraid that I would be looked at as not valuable or not committed or not, you know, and as a woman, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was going to be there. And so I think there is, I think it's something important to acknowledge. Absolutely. Well, and I think technology is a tricky one because the world we live in now, everything is immediate. And you see that in that even people's expectations of, you know, I'm going to sign up for this and I'm going to get an immediate response, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to go on this diet and I want to lose 20 pounds today, right? You know, it's with everything that we see is just immediacy, immediacy, immediacy. And I think that we, you know, if you don't set the boundary, it can very easily take up your whole life. And so even in small things of, you know, let's say, um, you know, like you use the example of putting together your kids, even something small, like you're texting with a friend and all of a sudden it takes a very long response, not apologizing when you, you know, when you do finally make the response of, oh, I'm so sorry I was putting the kids to bed, right? You don't have to be sorry for that. You know, they're just because someone texts you or just somewhat because someone emails you does not mean they need an immediate response, Mm. right? It's there for you to respond when you're ready. I think, and and this might be a little bit tangential, but I was listening to Daniel Byard Mm -hmm. Jackson's podcast. Yeah. And she had a great podcast. I didn't even think about boundaries around group texts Mm -hmm. and like Facebook, you know, group messages or whatever. And that, you know, sometimes they go off in a way, like sometimes they can be helpful and educational or you're just passing memes. You know, sometimes they can be a bitch fest where you're like, I just don't, uh," you know? And I think setting boundaries, they're important to at least kind of, you know, acknowledging that that might be an area that, that can take a person down or might require more boundaries that they may not be thinking of. Yes. Well, group texts, oh man, they always feel very intrusive sometimes because you're just like, you know, when, you, when you're when you on a group text. And, and you it, get a notification because somebody likes it, somebody yes, hearts and it. And it's like every 10 <laughs> seconds, it's like ding, ding, ding. Um, so I think things like that, you know, it's just reminding yourself, 
you know, the ball's in your court, you have a little more power than you think and something even small as silencing them, right? Because for specific things like that, you can do, you know, where you swipe it and you do the do not disturb or, um, you know, silence notifications where you'll still get them, but you won't have any kind of buzz or ding or whatever that might feel intrusive to, you know, your concentration on whatever it is you're trying to do. Mm. What do you see, you know, what do you know that you wish other people could know? I mean, you, you talk to people all day long, probably around this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, where do you think we, what is the blind spot for us? I think one major thing I would, I mean, this was years ago, I was in, um, a training, it was some workshop. And I remember we were doing an exercise and we were doing, um, it was a body-based exercise. And she said, you have the right to take up space. And I think as a woman, that felt so powerful because it's so simple, but at the same time, I think so many of us don't recognize we're allowed to take up space and especially being women, you know, that we've culturally been taught to be small, you know, in all areas, right? Be skinny, you know, don't speak out too much, all of those different ways. But the, the ultimately the message is to stay small. And I think just this idea of you are so expansive and what you have to bring to the table, you know, who you are as a person, all of that, that you have the right to take up space and to take up space. And I think just remembering that in all of your interactions that I have a right to be here because especially when you go back to porous boundaries, right? The, um, you described as the doormat, right? Mm-hmm. Of just like whatever, anything goes, you know, I'll say yes to whatever it's, ultimately the core belief behind that is your needs are more important than my needs. And so reminding yourself that you also have needs and you're allowed to voice those. I think that bears some space to let it in that Mm -hmm. you have needs and you have the right to be just because you are, Mm -hmm. I think is powerful. And I also think, you know, as you start to set boundaries they are little dopamine hits that are little victories that are super empowering, even on yes. a small scale. And I know for me, you know, like I've been a, uh, I was a communications major, a broadcasting major. So like phrasing things and writing and blogging and those things and, and being able to articulate it in a way, like I can't rest until I have, it, like if I'm going to have a tough conversation with somebody, my brain won't rest until I have the words. Yes. And, you know, like to me, that feels like um, it, it feels like a, a burden, you know, because I, I can't just kind of f- flip. And I, I think because I'm, I don't trust the words that I'm going to say until I think through mm-hmm. all the different aspects. And the reason why I say that, because I imagine I'm not alone of just, you know, when you kind of ruminate of how is this going to land? No, I can't say it this way. That's how I feel, but yes. I can't say it this way. But when you do find that it is kind of like a bank, like you said, of just tools, mm-hmm. you know, like the and instead of but. Yes. Um, and finding those those words of how to say it respectfully, diplomatically, perhaps, or in a way that's respectful of you and the other person. And they kind of have to deal with their own shit. Right. <laughs> well, and lands. I think, you know, like you said, writing down can be really helpful, like in the yeah. notes section of your phone or somewhere mm-hmm. where you have some go-to responses that you've 
practiced and you know very well. You know, I know um, many, many years ago when I was practicing some of this, you know, I would use it on like my dog or, you know, some just that getting that everyday language where it became reflexive, where I was doing it all the time, where it wasn't just every once in a while. So when it did come up, I knew what to say, right? It was something I had practiced. It was something that was very normalized where it didn't feel awkward. You do a lot of workshops. Have you thought of doing a boundary setting workshop? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> I've, I've actually, a number of people have asked about this and my husband's like, when are you gonna do that boundaries workshop? So yes, I will do a boundaries workshop because this is, like I said, one of the number one things people ask me about is boundaries. Would you say that it is number one with people that you wouldn't suspect have problems with boundaries? Yes. Meaning the anti-doormat. Yes. The anti-porous. Um, I see it all the time. You know, this is, like I said, this is something not just with clients, but like my friends will call and say, Hey, I've got this situation. Like, what do you think I should say? Or how do I do this? Um, you know, family members, like I, it's, you know, I mean, I would say it's something that comes up for everybody because someone who tends to have very rigid boundaries, they may have struggles or want to reach out because they see how it's, um, getting in the way of their relationships where maybe they have hurt people's feelings or maybe it has, you know, had a detrimental effect on an intimate relationship and they're seeing kind of the pushback and saying, Hey, I really want to be close with these people. And I'm noticing I'm not experiencing the relationship, the depth of relationship that I would like because of some of these things that are going on. How do I change it? There's such a power in that. So how do people find you and work with you? Yes. What are the ways people can work with you? What are the ways? So um, so my website is just megangillespie.com and you can always reach out through there. And then I'm on Instagram at Megan E. Gillespie. Yours are fun. Yours are so fun and helpful. Your Instagram post. I've got, I've got to get back into it. I, <laughs> I always forget. I'm like, oh, I got to post something. Uh, but once again, it kind of goes back to boundary, those boundaries. Right? Yes, of making sure that it's not getting to the point that it is fun and informative and helpful and something I want to share as opposed to I have to be on here I have to post today so yes so I am on Instagram if you want to find me there and then you do private coaching uh, as well as workshops as well around parenting yes so I have um, some groups some parenting groups or it's really more um, a lot of women I work with struggle with things and it you know kind of goes into parenting but also relationships and some of those different avenues. So um, some of those groups and then one-on-one therapy. Well, thank you for being my therapist, my one-on-one therapist. Of course. And thank you for being back on Culture Changers. It's always, you're so helpful last time and and this time is going to be no different. Well, it's always an honor and I love sharing and kind of getting this out to people because I know, you know, it's not accessible to everyone. Wow. This conversation had me looking at boundaries in a totally different light. If you'd like to learn more about Megan or work with her directly, I've linked her info in the show notes. If you'd like to learn more about me and these topics, go to allisonhair.com and leave me your email. It's always a good idea to click on the Culture Changers podcast on whatever platform or player that you're listening to, but scroll through some of the titles of the past episodes. The topics we've been covering could very well change everything for you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.